Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my recently graduated, turned Republican, uh, finding it very hard to be 22 in the real world friend and co-host john Be- uh, alex dandino sorry about that alex dandino guys uh as always thanks for tuning in if you would take a minute if you like the show follow us uh leave us a rating and review wherever you find the podcast it does help and we do appreciate it also some of you are new uh from the youtube we have a YouTube now. You can follow the channel, The Chubby Mansion. Um, an evil, evil place in the woods for you children to come party with me, The Chubby Man, Black Phillip, Alex, Nick Cage. We listen to a lot of Smash Mouth. It's a whole joke. You can find it on Longbox Sessions. Yeah. But it's real. It's totally real. Real thing. Uh, but you won't get there by stabbing your friends. Legal disclaimer. <laughs> Very important. Yeah, so thank you guys wherever you find us. Thanks for helping us uh, share the word of the show. We've been seeing a big uptick, and we do appreciate it. Um, On that note, Alex has an announcement. Guys, if you are in the Long Beach area this weekend, you should come to Long Beach Comic Con. We have a panel about podcasts. It's called Casters of a Lesser Pod. If If you're a reader or something, you might enjoy that. Uh, casters of a lesser pod uh, podcast recommendations for your ride home that'll be going down sunday 3 30 to 4 30 at long beach comic-con join us our friends at the nerdlies our friends at the unlucky ones and our new friends at a podcast called uh, go help yourself you guys might enjoy the show uh come out for the con and then also stick around and hang out with us from 3 30 to 4 30 it's gonna be a blast can't wait guys that's all i got do i get uh do i get more paychecks for being the co-host of long box sessions the host of this and now the newly returned uh co-host of the nick hall comedy podcast on youtube you get paid for this how much how much are you paying me how much are you pa- wait you get paid that's very not cool oh i don't make appearances for free especially in that sodom and gomorrah you call your west coast home <laughs> i don't go to no, long guys, beach often uh, some more news we're out here doing mad work for you uh, among my many projects I have coming out, um, I have reactivated with my friend and uh, co-creator Nick Hall, the Nick Hall Comedy uh, YouTube channel. Our baseball player coach is probably the one everyone knows, Coach Kent Murphy, very popular. He's back with new content and the Nick Hall Comedy podcast uh, that I co-host. It's a little more sports and kind of various comedy, uh, so if you can't get enough of my voice from the two podcasts I already do, there's that. And when Alex works out the contract with me, I'm going to do my best to be at Long Beach Comic Con. Copy that. Didn't know. Didn't know there was a contract involved. I'm just saying you have a lot of stuff to sell, and I would get on it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Enough business. Back. Uh, this is the summation of the Brat Pack. We've done um, – we started with the Breakfast Club, the all-time banger. Less than zero. Weird science. Our wives helped us cover – Pretty in Pink and 16 Candles in a delightful double feature session. I hope you guys have liked all our Brat Pack stuff. But now it's time. This was the movie, weirdly enough. Believe it or not, guys, this was the movie we were so amped to discuss that we started the Brat Pack month. And it is St. Elmo's Fire. To me, not the latest or final Brat Pack movie, but the one that kind of nicely puts a bow on what happens to people and children like this when they enter the real world. (laughs) Yeah. Alex, 
Give me your first takes, opinions on St. Elmo's Fire. I know you actually brought some reading material for the audience. <laughs> yeah, St. Elmo's Fire is one of those movies that really is like, it's first off, it's directed, it's it's not connected to John Hughes at all. Very important. But it's considered, Joel Schumacher. It's a Joel Schumacher directed joint. Those of you who don't know who Joel Schumacher is might remember him as the man who neoned Batman for Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. So... I mean, he it, made some good movies, but so let's he's made some good feather flicks. him for that. <laughs> However, uh, you know, after watching the movie, I went on Wikipedia and on uh, IMDb trivia. I just like to read up on some stuff for this movie. And I was reading. First off, for those of you who don't know, St. Elmo's Fire was like critically derided when it came out. People hated this movie. Such to the point I where. I just looked this up because I hadn't watched it in years. I think I saw it in college. And on IMDb, it had my rating saved. I rated it a 4 out of 10 in college. That's almost exactly the I way I would it's... give it a higher rating now. I actually enjoy this movie. I've probably watched this movie five times. I don't I know just... if that means I'm kicked out of, like, Cinephile Club or whatever. But... So there's a couple of people that were very, like... <laughs> so this is an important thing. So during pre-production, this is all on uh, Wikipedia and IMDb, but during pre-production... Joel Schumacher said a lot of people turned down the script and the head of one major studio called its seven member cast the most loathsome humans had he had ever read on the page. (laughs) (laughs) No, I said this on our other show, but it's worth reiterating The the characters in this movie are as hateable and unlikable and unsympathetic as a family from a Rob Zombie movie. Like, remember the opening of Rob Zombie's Halloween where they did the breakfast scene? Yeah. And even me, who loves Rob Zombie and Halloween, I was like, I think I'm just going to rip my he- my head off, <laughs> right? So I don't have to hear or, like, take any of this information in. Because I hate this scene so much. These people are terrible. That's essentially what St. Elmo's Fire is. So, St. Elmo's Fire. So, David Denby, who's the guy who reviews the movies for uh, The New Yorker, wrote... This, and this is the reception. This is from the reception section of his Wikipedia. David Denby called Schumacher brutally untalented and said that nobody over the. <laughs> I can't stop laughing at that description. Brutally untalented. That might be the meanest thing I've ever heard anyone write about a director. It's funny because I feel like so few critics actually have talent, right? I guess we're almost like that, right? We're just people that talk about other people's art. Yeah. And instead of thanking them for giving us something to talk about, it's like. Fuck you. You suck. Like, I've never so, heard of this critic. Is he, like, that good? Like, is he an Ebert? Like, he's really enlightening us on cinema? <laughs> David Denby's been around for quite a while. Like, he's best known for the That New doesn't Yorker. mean he, a lot of things have been around for a long... Spam is still sold in stores. But, he, but he's a New Yorker. Like, like, he's the New Yorker film critic, so it makes him very important. But... So David Denby said Schumacher was brutally untalented and said that nobody over the moral age of 15 will like the work of the Brad Pack actors in the film. <laughs> I just like to point out. Now the, that, is a, that is a fair shot. That's like, a fair shot. <laughs> absolutely. The distinction being moral age. So that means you have to have the morality of a 15-year-old, which is someone who basically lives in a consequence-free environment, to enjoy this movie. But again... <laughs> I mean, it is true because this this movie again is rich white people problems. No, it's right? people so who are all horrible. of these people. No, no, no. But that's what I mean. So it, it is hard to to feel bad for these people because again, it's like things have just been good for you forever. So like, oh no, it, it reminded me of when I watched the pilot of Girls. Yeah, and everyone's like, Girls is great. You'll love it. And I watched it, and the essentially the inciting incident I remember in the pilot is she's like. 
what? You guys aren't going to pay for me to live yeah. in New York and try to be a writer for you're, free? You're cut and off. She got mad at her parents, and I was like, I just did the same. I moved to Los Angeles and had to pay for myself and had no money. Like, yeah, that's what you do. And I was like, okay, I already hate this character. Yeah. She just is entitled, and I hate her. And, you know, people love that show, whatever. But it's like a personal thing with me. It just drove me nuts. And so this movie's very much like what happens when the rich, coddled, protected children <laughs> – have to start for the first time maybe entering the real world. But even then, it doesn't feel – it does feel like college adjacent. Like there's not a lot of real world in what these characters are dealing with. Right. Like, this movie got – Other than Wendy, right? She's, like, the only adult. Well, Wendy's the only adult. Wendy, like, cuts herself off. Like, Wendy literally tells her dad at the end of the movie, like, I'm not going to – I don't want to be a part of this anymore. Like, I'm not going to marry the guy you set me up with. I'm going to go off and do my own thing. Right. Like Wendy's the only Here's one. Here's what who's... I think we should do. Let's go character by character rather Perfect. than just running through I the menagerie it. of shit show in this movie. Yeah, but I, I, lo- I love. I'm not gonna lie. I really like this movie. I don't know if I'd say I love, but I do find my. It is very much like saying almost fire. I'm like, it's a really good movie. I should watch it. It's like no over here. Veer so, off this dark path that leads to destruction. Before like, okay, I'm coming. Before we go character by character, I just want there's two other there's two or three other so Saint Almost Fire holds a forty five percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes, which is in line with your four out of ten. And then I Ro- but I like it more than that. This was when right. I was like a snob and I thought my IMDB ratings mattered. Right. So Rob Lowe won a Razzie Award for the year that this movie came out for his worst supporting that's actor. Bullshit. Which I think is bullshit. That's I think bullshit. That's, that's contentious. He's good in this movie. And then in 2015, Justin Gerber, who writes for Consequence of Sound, said that he was prepared to say it's the worst movie of all time, which I think is a very extreme assertion. Like, yeah, cool guy from some website I've never heard of. Yeah, I I think that's a very. That's just not like hey, like, when did he write that? Had you seen Catwoman yet? 2015. So clearly Catwoman had been out. So, yeah. But that's what I mean. There are just movies that exist that are clearly. Like, if you've never seen a made-for-sci-fi movie, come on. Fuck off. Like, this is the worst movie ever. Really? It has Judd Nelson in it. It can't be the worst movie ever. So, character by character, who do you want to start with? Dealer's choice. You hit me, and then I'll hit you back. Uh, Let's start with Emilio Estevez. Okay. Immediately. This, This is another thing we have to talk about with the John Hughes movies. As we discussed in Pretty in Pink and others. Uh, Weird Science has a little... There is a real glorification of the stalker in Rat Pack movies. Yeah. There is this thing, and I think it might have been like an 80s thing, where if you just stalk a woman long enough and let her know that you have feelings for her, she should just concede to you or else she's a bitch. Yeah. It's Like, Emilio Estevez in this movie is probably the most... Because everyone will focus on uh, Rob Lowe and Demi Moore. Yeah. I think Emilio Estevez is the worst person in this movie. Oh, I actually do. By a long shot. Like, this is the important thing about every other character versus Emilio Estevez in this movie. Which, <laughs> two thi- before I get started, Emilio Estevez's character's name is Kirby, who they nickname Kerbo. Kirby is a nickname in and of itself, so just stick with Kirby. Why are we re-nicknaming Kirby? Yeah. So, anyways. That's, that's one of those weird things parents do. It's like, I want my son to have a baby name that will haunt him his whole life. <laughs> <laughs> Kirby's a name for infants, not adults. Right. Kerbo, so, not much better. So, is, Kerb- so his thing is, right, he's he's a waiter at the bar they all used to be friends at. Right. But he's the worst waiter. 
Because yeah, all Kerb- we see is him sneaking beers and hanging out with his friends and not waiting on people. Yeah, Kerbo is apparently right? fired every week by the dad <laughs> from um by the dad of uh Sean from Boy Meets World. <laughs> if you fed up Sean's dad, you're doing bad. <laughs> you're terrible. Sean was a real <laughs> handful. Sean was a piece of shit and right? he <laughs> died loving that son. So come on. Yes. So here's so this is where we start with Kerbo, right? His story <laughs> in this movie. Seemingly normal guy, good friend, likes to laugh. Ha, ha, ha. They have that stupid jiggity, 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 ha, ha, ha thing they do, like that Sesame Street. That's a very, section. that's a very eighties, like eighties group of friends thing. Because I don't have like stupid like. This is th- this is the most you know friendship we do. No, in, like, in my my group of friends, we're always more like a Shark Tank. Yeah, where it's like you're waiting for someone to do that, and then the whole gang's gonna be like, "Oh, we got you now, bitch. This is right. a joke for three exactly. days." And you would be dead. Uh, but yeah, so Kerbo's whole thing is they, the movie starts. The inciting incident of this movie is Rob Lowe has drunkenly crashed a car and hurt himself and Wendy, the character, right? Right. Wendy's okay. Rob Lowe's about to get arrested for a DUI. Judd Nelson's like, hey, I'm a low level politician assistant. Can I have any pull here? They're like, what are you talking about? Get out of here. They decide to go pick Rob Lowe up, bail him out of jail for a, D, a DUI, and meet back at a bar. Yeah. Right? Not at all worried that he could have killed someone or their friend Wendy, who's actually a good person. Kerbo takes it upon himself to like, hey, the doctor in there is a girl that I went to a movie with yeah. once. Once. I'm now going to proceed the rest of the movie to stake my claim on her, stalk her, and be terrifying. Yeah. That's Ker- So Kerbo's like, look at this near tragedy. Emotions should be running high as your friends are just in a drunken car accident. No. Time for the Kerbo to go plant some pussy flags. <laughs> the Kerbo. <laughs> That's the, you know he calls himself the Kerbo. The Kerbo. He has all these lines like, time to go into Kerbo drive. <laughs> as he pedals his bike faster. <laughs> Kerbo boosters engage. <laughs> as he's on his bike. <laughs> Kerbo's the worst guy in this movie. Oh, yeah. So then we see him. She goes and meets him on a date. He gets there way early. He's trying to impress her. It's fairly innocuous at this point. She gets called away. Next thing you know, he's stalking her in the rain. Sees her going to a party he's not invited to. Watches through the window like a creep. Sees her with a man. His move is to walk in. Everyone else in the party is aghast as he walks through. Right. He walks up to her and stares at her like a fucking serial killer. And then this is kind of the 80s-ness of it. We cut to her bringing him back to the apartment and being like, you're just so cute. Yeah, what the? F- no! 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 It was- and then he goes for a pillow sniff. He's got <laughs> fucking serial killer written all over there was That scene in and of itself is so shocking. Like, I stopped the movie while I was watching it. Like, uh... I was watching it last. I was watching it last night. And my wife was like packing, and she saw that and she's like, "What are you watching?" I'm like, "I think it might be single white female." I don't know how this shifted. <laughs> it's single white Kerbo. It's single white Kerbo. Like it's terrifying. Like again, Kerbo versus, interrupted. Like, it, <laughs> <laughs> like if you think of all the other characters in this movie who do like shitty t- kind of terrible things, he's the one who definitely continues throughout his life to be terrible. Like his is the only story that probably ends with an unmarked grave, (laughs) right? Like this is, he takes a job with a gangster as they call him, who seems like just a shady businessman. 
only to throw a party and have his female chauffeur drive him around to impress her. Yeah. Because he thinks it's money. It's like, dude, it's not money. You're a five foot six creep. creep. You're a fucking creep and she's a doctor. Yeah. So he's like, oh, I'll solve this by taking a gangster's crime money, throwing a party at his house. And then this is the part, you know, he's starting to get deranged. He calls her at her job. Did she get an emergency call? You fucking tell her I threw a party for her. Fuck you. I'm like, this guy's this guy's insane, unhinged, insane. And then goes to her house is screaming into her intercom cursing. Yeah. Threatens to murder her roommate if she does not divulge the ski lodge she went to with her actual boyfriend. Yes. Yes. This is crazy. But this is where I get my sub favorite character in the movie is her boyfriend. Yeah. Right. When he comes out, he's just like, little fella, little fella. He doesn't even put clothes on. He's like, yeah, smell this sex sniff. As I'm like, don't die in your car. And then when Kirby's sleeping in the chair and he offers, she, he has uh, her offer him his pajamas. I was like, oh, that's such a dad move. God, dude. It's so weird. And at the end when he's like, let me get a photo of you two. <laughs> I was honestly her boyfriend was licking it up. He loved it. I was honestly watching this movie the whole time, just going like, "Are is everyone in this movie okay with this behavior?" Like everyone is so worried about like everyone else besides Kerbo. I'm yeah. like, we should all be like, this should be retitled. We need to talk about Kerbo. Like that's <laughs> like yeah. Basically, oh no, Rob Lowe's fucking again. Well, yeah, we get it. Kerbo uh, just acquired rope. <laughs> Like, way more rope than anyone should own. Kerbo just threatened a girl to tell her where the secret location yeah. of a woman was. Like, we need but to... This, this is the problem of the movie, right? So this is, like, all the way stalker. He sees he's defeated. She has an actual boyfriend who is loving rubbing his nose in it. Yes. When the boyfriend goes to get the camera, the movie, he whips her over, gives her a kiss, hands her a Polaroid. Right. Drives away, cheering with his hand out the window. They cut back to... Andy McDowell's character as if she actually would be sad this little psycho's not in her life. I know. What the fuck? I, that was the thing that I was like, this is the most unearned, like, feelings of motion I've ever an seen in unasked, a movie. An unasked for and welcome sexual advance and a kiss, all of a sudden she's like, oh, yeah, what, you know? Yeah, like, what the fuck? She, she caught the Kerbo. She caught Kerbo. Yeah. And now she's, like, hooked. No fucking way. There's no way that a there's no way that a law student who's now a waiter at a bar that he shittily waits at is like so undeniably attractive to a hospital intern named Dale that all of a sudden yeah. she's just gonna up and leave this clearly much more handsome guy for him. Like but also is like an adult. Yeah. Like this is the other thing. Kerbo is another you can look, there's a long line of this just like like Ducky and Pretty and Pink is really bad. Like he's an actual serial I was telling Amy on the show. Ducky and Pretty and Pink definitely has killed every redheaded <laughs> child girl in that town. Absolutely. He has like a garage where he makes his uh, dolls right. that don't scorn him. Sure. Like he's a full on serial killer. Right. But Kirby's close. And these movies have a lot of this. If I just pine over her and don't acknowledge how bad I am, right. she has to concede to me. And we as the audience are just supposed to be like, that's very heroic. It's like Romeo. No, it's not. These guys are terrible people. And then for the movie to just let Kerbo off the hook really bothers me. Right. Kerbo is scary, terrifying jerk in this movie. And I hate him. Oh, I, I hate him. him. He's terrible. All right. Let's talk about. Oh, man. There's so many fun ones. Who's next? Let's go ahead and talk about. Let's do Rob Lowe. 
Billy. Let's H- just talk about. Let's just talk about Billy. Billy Hicks. Billy's, there's there's a lot of meat on the bone with Billy. <laughs> this is going to be the bulk of the show right here. <laughs> Billy. Okay, so not only we already went over, we discussed he starts the movie with a near death DUI. Not only that, can we talk about where we first meet him? Inside an playing ambulance, saxophone. playing saxophone. <laughs> Yeah, making jokes about how he almost killed someone. He's a real piece of shit. Yeah, this, guy. this is where we start, and then you Terrible start, finding, and then you start finding out other things about him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's run through a list of what we learned pretty quick about him. Right, uh, frat guy. Frat guy. That's pretty low on his bad traits, but you're like, all right, it makes a little more sense. Right. Um, constantly losing a job every day. Right. Definitely manipulating Wendy, who seems to pay all of his bills. Yep. Then they drop on a oh, – so then he goes to the bar, right? Right. Comes out, and after he almost killed a girl in the DUI, who obviously is in love with him and infatuated with him, he tries to pick up some other rando at the bar. Then we find out he loses his job. Then, then we go outside and find out that he has a wife and child that he neglects constantly to be out drinking and not having right. a job. So we started and with then, just seeing this yeah. guy who has almost killed someone jovially yes. playing saxophone in the back of an ambulance. Then you find out all the rest of this shit about him. So, oh, no, no, we're not done. There's more. <laughs> so then we find out that he constantly, every time he hangs out with Wendy, asks her if she's still a virgin, yep. proceeds to mock her look and being afraid of sex. I think his line is when he makes fun of her, like, undergarments, yeah, right? She's, like, obviously upset. And he goes, uh, you're allowed to have fun when you're screwing. <laughs> this fucking guy. So then... His girlfriend later comes into the bar with a meathead to make him mad. So you're like, oh, so they're both well-adjusted adults. Great. I feel terrible for poor Melody in this movie. The state should take her. Oh, dude. Isn't Wendy a welfare worker? She should take this lady's baby. So he decides, mister, I've tried to fuck at least five women on screen. I'm going to fight for the honor of my wife. Starts a brawl, gets kicked out, goes outside, and then starts making out with his wife. Yeah. Only to a couple scenes later try to sexually assault Jules uh, by you t- have a lot less to say if my dick was in your mouth. Also, I put my keys in my penis and you can try to gra- <laughs> Billy is so wildly horrible. You've also and the problem is they this is the problem of St. Elmo's fire that that critic addresses. Is there one moment in the movie where they give Billy a saves the cat moment? No. Is there one thing where he does? There's also that he goes back to school like, yeah, I think I just want to be in the frat again. And they're like, no, you could just be a drug dealer. Yeah. He meets his wife who he left on the bench to go play football with his old frat brothers. His daughter's right there. She says, I can get remarried and this guy will take care of me and Melody. No, 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 no. But also, we never see him touch the baby, hold the baby, comfort her or the baby. He doesn't have a scene in this whole movie. Until the very end when it's like, oh, well, he helped Jules not be sad. Yeah. And it's like, well, well that's the problem. I mean, that's the least he could do after he tried to sexually assault her. That's his like, <laughs> that's his like moment. But then here's the, the the catch of that is that's supposed to be his saves the cat moment is like saving Jules. But I'm like, you know, you realize he just totally got fired from that gas station job. Like hardcore fired. Like they're like, wait, but not only that, he just tried to sexually assault her. Wait, you he, he was part of pushing. He just her tried over sexually the edge. assaulting her. Then he's going to save her. It's like, wait a second. So you left your job in the middle of it, stole a blowtorch from your job to like cut the bars off a window. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then at the end, it's just Billy gets to ride off in the sunset. He's like, yeah, I'm just going to go to New York and be a famous saxophonist. <laughs> OK, but oh, wait, I forgot. This is the part, too. 
the forgiving of bad behavior in this movie, right? This is almost this is actually worse than Emilio's. Oh, she will regret not uh, living with her stalker forever. Right. When he asked Wendy for a goodbye gift, and she actually fucks him, I was like, "That's insane." Oh no, I that's just, it's ridiculous. Poor Wendy is probably the only good character in this movie. Maybe Ali Sheedy as well, right? The two like decent, mature people. Right. To make her fuck Billy at the end of the movie, I thought was so horrible. It's on par that's with so it's horrible. on par with sexual assault. Like if you've ever written like write it's. You didn't write sexual assault within the movie, but no, because she, that's what she it is. accepts. But he did try to advance on her and upset. And she even said, like, I know that you're bad for me and tries to kick him out. And then she gets rid of the boyfriend who's kind of a, a square, but, you know, seemed like an OK guy. Well, and she tells her dad, she's like, I just I love Billy. And he goes, Billy from the roof, <laughs> which I love that line. And I was like, this is the one scene they're playing her dad. Is he such a bad like? arranged marriage type guy right he just wants her to marry like a nice boy who runs a card out yeah yeah and i was like in this case he's right a dad's job is to make sure you don't toss it to a billy yeah totally like billy is the worst character it's so hard because they're all bad billy's really bad though his his list of infractions are horrible well and also if billy wasn't there to save jules you know what happens they just break down another door blowtorch a window and they all save jules together yeah so Billy's one good moment isn't really that heroic. Meaningless. Like I thought that too. I was yeah. like, this really doesn't matter. Like eventually he'll get through the bars. It'll be over with. It'll be fine. Well, no, he's just there to make it like faster, right? Because he's like, hey, you could be a real piece of shit like me. And she's like, that's so true. That's so true. <laughs> but which I guess helps. But he the he scene is a stunningly the scene where guy. him and his uh, wife Felicia fight outside the bar. First off, it's after he's standing on the stage and be like, all right, let's rock. And then breaks out into the careless whisper riff also, from fucking kissed kissed Wham. Jules as she's leaned over the jukebox. Yeah. So his wife and Wendy both see this. So they see this. So it's like he's already slinging it. He runs outside after like trying to defend his own honor, really, and he's like, "You're such a little bitch. Fuck you!" Like he's like screaming at her, and then all of a sudden they start making out. And what kind of friends are these? Like these horrible people that are together that don't pull them apart. Be like, no. You need to go away, and you need to go get a fucking divorce and live with someone no, else. Yeah, not even that. Just they're like, hey, Billy, it is cool to drink with you. I'm glad you're not at home helping raise your daughter. Yeah, for real. You That's should be funny. here all the time. Don't. Yeah, just because Wendy's like, I do like you. It's terrible. It's insane. It's fucking terrible. But this, he has a line in the movie, which I adore, right? It's kind of the summation of all the Brat Packs to me. This line is perfect where he's like, Wendy asks him if he misses school, and he goes, yeah. He's like, you know, it, there's just uh, – what does he say? He's like, there's no way to get out of hand in the real world. Uh, Yeah, that's, I can't remember the line exactly, but yeah. I think like, that's it. He's like, there, there's no way to get out of hand, and it's, it is this – these are children of privilege coming through high school and school, and then all of a sudden being like, yeah, it is hard to have a job and get out of hand, and oh, fuck, when you get out of hand, you might have a kid. Yeah. So in a way, it – it's a good moment that lets you into his psyche, right? right? That he just is this party monster who can't stop. And his only value is being Billy the Kid, as the frat guy calls him, right? Right. And it's a really apt nickname because he is the most childish person I've ever seen in a movie. But it, it kind of feels like that's all of them, right? Is that, and, it, and that's the kind of part I dig about this. I think every group of friends in high school and college think they're like the movie group of friends. 
It's like you're not. Right. You're just not. And we all know how these movies end. Like a lot of my dearest friends in my life, there's a chance I won't talk to them again for like 10 years. It'll be 10 years after that or ever again. Because when you're this age, everything is so wildly important. That's the funny part when, when Jules goes, I never thought I'd be so tired by 22. And as an audience member, you're just like, fuck off. Grown. Like, I have a I have a job and two kids and a wife. Like, I will show you tired, yeah. cocaine fiend. Like, how dare you? <laughs> but yeah, it, it's that's what I think might have been missing a little bit from this movie is likability. Yeah. Because even Kirby and Billy, who we've covered, neither of them have a likable moment. Billy's supposed to be like this hardworking go-getter, but we see him be a bad waiter quit jobs, uh, ruin his job at the gangster, and then be a stalker. Yeah. Right? And Billy just has, like, every infraction known to man. Like, once you get to that sexual assault situation in the driveway when she's – Jules is just like, I just need a fucking friend. Yeah. You know? And Rob Lowe's just like, well, we fucked before, so I'll do it again. In the driveway. And then she pushes him out, gets her keys, slaps him. Over-the-shoulder shot of his wife and kid at the door at, like, whenever the bars are closed, so late. You're just like, there's no going back. Like, I, I hope he dies in an alley in New York. Like, you know, he's a bad guy. Right. There's no part of me that wants him to succeed, and I'm mad that Wendy settled on him. Right. So that's, that's so two characters down, two terrible pieces of shit down. Yeah. What's your next character? Uh, Let's go to uh, Kevin, Andrew McCarthy's character. Oh, God. <laughs> Debbie Downer? <laughs> Old, uh... Old Andrew McCarthy, the Debbie Downer of the bunch. Again, here in another fine brooding turn as guy who stares off longingly into the distance at nothing. Still yeah, unclear. creepily around. Creepily around, Creeps and around. then when you notice him, he smiles. Creeps around, like, talks to hookers, like, in talks to hookers for, like, need, like, for needless reasons. Like, but not only talks to them, asks them things like, what's the meaning of what's life, the meaning and then degrades life? them. Like, like, you wouldn't understand a secret. <laughs> like, a stupid fucking question. Like, why are you asking a hooker the meaning of life? She's like, and again, she's like, that's the best. She's like, $50, I'll show you the meaning of life. It's like, see, there you go. That's the answer. So your stupid yeah, she's question. She's more likable than him, first off. Oh, for sure. For sure. We don't ever see, yeah, he like works in a newspaper and essentially just shits on everything, right? Yeah. Like, every time you walk past him, he's like, college is just a ruse to hide us from reality. I'm like. Oh, you're that guy that everyone loves at a party. <laughs> hey, what's that thing you like? Let me tell you how I read on Wikipedia that it sucks. <laughs> yes. Thanks, Andrew. Yeah. Andrew. Thanks, brooding guy. Yeah, Andrew McCarthy. You know the coolest thing about him, though? I love when they get to his apartment and he like, has all these like women traps. Yeah, what the fuck? They, while he's pining over her and never gets laid to the point that one of the gags of the movie, I guess, is everyone thinks he's gay and that he's in love with Judd Nelson's character. Yeah. But yet he has this whole apartment where he has fake writing trophies, uh, a coffin as an end table. That's extremely creepy. The coffin, the coffee table. Uh, and then just so many weird, creepy things, right? Like he has this whole lady trap. And then I like the line when Ali Sheedy's like, am I a part of your props? I was like, this movie could take a turn to murder. Yeah. Like, again, he's playing this weird character. Like, why do we constantly <laughs> Is watch every the character in this movie like a potential killer <laughs> every character that like grows up in a john Hugh from a john hughes movie ends up being kind of borderline serial killer here's a movie i want to see what if we use deep fake technology to add michael rooker from henry portrait of a serial killer into this movie would it fit 100 percent. 
Easily. Would it fit if you're just like, yeah, Henry Port, Henry the serial killer in Chicago fits pretty well with the kids from St. Elmo's Fire. Seamless transition. Seamless. Without question. <laughs> They're almost the same movie now that I think about it. I mean, these people are insane. And it makes it should make everyone uncomfortable watching this. And there shouldn't be any, like, there should be no qualms about, like, oh, yeah, these characters are so, like... These characters are so relatable. There's nothing relatable about these guys. Because, like, I've read, like, before, like, Laura Schuler Donner, because she was one of the producers, was like, this is about what, you know, when you graduate college and confronting, like, the issues that really, like, no, that's not true at all. Like, these characters don't <laughs> confront shit. Like, these characters. No, all are- their problems are their own. Yeah. Like, what is Andrew McCarthy's problem is that he wants to have sex with his best friend's girlfriend. Yeah. Creepily hangs around the moment. And by the way, he never tells her that he's cheating all the time, so he's a shitty friend to her anyways. And does he truly love her that he lets her be embarrassed like that? Right. Then when he sees a moment of weakness, immediately jumps on fucking. And then he's waited all this time. He gets her. The next thing you know, he is just on her. No space, no yeah. relation. Like, uh, hello, I was there. We had sex. You're mine now. We're going to move in. Tell him I said we're going to move in. I was just like uh, aggressive, aggressively claiming her. I was honestly hoping what's the real world problem is that, oh, I don't want to respect the fact that she's going through something and that I let her be embarrassed. for The most justified action in this movie is at the end when Judd Nelson hangs him over the over the balcony. I'm like, just kill (laughs) Like, just fucking kill that guy. Seriously. Uh, Put him out. If there was ever a moment you were rooting for a blowtorch tank explosion. (laughs) Just like, get rid of half of these people so they can all deal with something. No, but that's only one character I would maybe two have real relatable problem. Because even Ali Sheedy, she seemingly knows what her boyfriend's been doing. Right. Right? Like, she seemingly has known and kind of tolerated it. And then Wendy. Wendy's a has a really relatable problem, right? Is I just love someone who's a piece of shit. Right. That's super relatable. Wendy that is very is, relatable. Yeah. Again, all of so, the problems. Andrew McCarthy and Kerbo, Billy that we've covered so far, these are all self-inflicted wounds. Yeah. Uh, jumping to Judd Nelson, that's a self-inflicted ah, yes. wound. Jules is a self-inflicted wound. Like, these aren't real. I mean, I guess you could argue that most adult problems are self-inflicted wounds, but, these, but none of them ever seem to try to be curbing but, the behavior. But these ones don't really have consequences. Like all of these people are going to wind no. up the same person at the end of this movie. Like Rob Lowe is still going to be an unhirable douchebag. Emilio Estevez is going to continue to be a serial killer. Andrew McCarthy is going to become a Washington <laughs> post writer and probably end up, I don't know, right. Just more brooding, just more yeah. brooding and writing a book. Judd Nelson is going to be the world's greatest politician. Like, but isn't that the John Hughes tradition, although he didn't make this movie, is uh, people having moments that they think are wildly important and dramatic to themselves, while maybe not being on a grand context, Yeah, who will escape the consequences? I think that's... Like, is there a John Hughes character that is not a rich white person that you think will actually, like, not get out better than they were? I would say the only person I've seen in the movies we've watched who will suffer long-term consequences is uh actually from this movie and this isn't a john maybe Hughes bender movie. bender might be the only one bender might be the only one yes like bender might be the only one who has to deal with long-term consequences but yeah he'll just end- why because he's the only non-rich kid and yeah. almost all- like even molly ringwald and pretty in pink they're like everywhere she walks they do the like oh who's this person covered in shit yeah 
And you're like, nope, she just looks like every millennial girl on Instagram. Yeah. Like, she doesn't look that poor. Again, like, J- they're not, they're eating food Judd, all the time. Judd Nelson's the only <laughs> one who's like, when Judd Nelson describes what he got for his birthday, you're like, got it. Cool. That right. guy's life is terrible and it will never improve. Like, but that's, and that's what I mean, though. I like the melodrama of people like this. And that's why I like, teenage and college age dramas because everything seems important right but i have this theory that having your partner cheat on you is one of the best things that can ever happen but i also think like they're they already are not in the relationship with you right so what you'd rather just limp along for five years of not really loving each other and because you like them more than they like you doesn't mean it's not a good thing when it's over like why wait to find out the really big problem with because i i agree like i like high school and it's fun to like hypothesize like high school and college movies like as they continue yeah. like oh those people turn into un- unmitigated pieces of shit in their later yeah. lives. And I would argue most people that age probably are shittier than normal sure. because they're kids. I think what's They all do think this. Stuff I think matters. what's terrifying about this movie is that this is post collegiate life. And like the thing that bothers but me But like barely, like a year. Right, but they're not in co- like the real world impacts you immediately when you stop going to college. Like I don't know about right. you, but I immediately felt the impact of the real world when I was paying for all my own shit and dealing like no, without the safety net of college. Like you have something to do. You know, you have to be in college if you're in college. You're like, oh, I have to finish this because I've spent <laughs> I've spent all this money and I feel responsible, blah, blah, right. blah. I mean, some people do. I don't know. But in any sense, like all of these people that are out of college now feel surprisingly less responsible for their lives. So they treat them like. They, like, treat them like it's a drink at a bar or a dinner napkin. Like, you throw it away as quickly as possible. Like, that's the problem. Like, Judd Nelson is the only one who's actually thinking towards the future. All right, let's do Judd Nelson now. Walk me through Judd's arc in this movie. I mean, Judd's arc is that he's... He, Judd's arc is that... His arc is that it, it kind of ends way lower than it started, right? Like, yeah. he's kind of our heroic glue of the group. Like, to... Like, Judd Nelson starts this movie by giving fucking Rob Lowe a swirly and says, fuck you. <laughs> like, like give only because he lost the job that he used. His right. Personal like giving him the him. fucking business being like, D- I'm never recommending yeah. you for a fucking thing again. And well, like, what we learn later is that Judd Nelson, they are frat brothers. Right. right. Clearly doesn't care that he has a job to help raise his daughter. Right. Right. Because all he does is party with him. <laughs> but it is just about like, how dare you stain me? <laughs> Right. Yeah, the president of the uh, Young Democrats in college going Republican. Yeah. Judd Nelson is like basically John Bender if actually the Breakfast Breakfast Club worked and Judd Nelson stopped being a piece of shit in high school and then like <laughs> upped his grades, went to college and became like the exact opposite of where you expected John Bender to land. That's where Judd Nelson he can come back to Vernon and be like, I did defeat you, you piece of shit. Yeah, exactly. Like Judd Nelson, basically Judd Nelson in this movie is John Bender motivated by like totally ruining Bender, uh, totally, totally ruining vice principal Vernon's life. Like, yeah, essentially his character is, uh, he is a political worm who wants to weasel his way up, even if it means tossing in his values. Right. Which is, he's a fucking coos hound who's out trying to bang everything. Yes. Right. And he's also been in, like, and, the long-term relationship with Ali Sheedy. Yeah, and also trying to just, like, force her to marry him, even though he's fucking all the time. He has that great line I love, which is, I'll stop fucking other chicks when she marries me. Like, yeah, that's right. how that works. Yeah, that's exactly how that works. <laughs> I think the main thing, too, is, like, what it is is 
Judd Nelson's character in this movie is trying to create the American dream as he sees it. So like, but as it, as in he just wants everything in his life has to, he wants everything lined grandeur up. to him. Like he wants everything yeah. lined up. Like that's the reason he wants to marry Ali Sheedy is because when you are out and you're, you're trying to be a po- politician, you need the wife, you need that, uh, you need that political coverage. You need that look. So he finds the pretty wife and he's hopefully going to get the couple of kids like those kinds of things. Like he's lining things up so that his life is exactly as he sees as it should be scheduled. So that's what I think where Judd Nell. And then also in true fashion of like a politician, he fucks around on the sign and does his thing. And I think that's what Judd Nelson's character is trying to do, which is live the American dream as a politician would, I guess, yeah. kind of. Either way. Yeah, I mean, he, he's just a, a narcissistic scumbag. Yeah. He just thinks the whole world revolves around him. And again, we never get the moment. I think they try to use Jules's attempted death by open window? Question mark? We'll get to that. We, I've got to a- try to be like the whole, like, now everyone can come together and be decent. I have so many questions about that. Yeah, but he is just a bad dude. Like, they do the thing and it's like, oh, you should be sainted for going to get Jules. But why does Jules call him? Because they've definitely done this and fucked before. Right. Like, right. Like, so he's, he's fucking his fiance's best friend, everything else that moves using her male friend as cover for his behaviors. Right. right? Trying to use his apartment, him and the Kerbos uh, sex lair with the coffin. Right. Right. It's just, he's just a bet. And that's the thing. Where's his moment of decency? None of them have a moment. No. And at the end of the movie, we all walk by St. Elmo's fire and see, Oh, there's a new table full of degenerates. And uh, they all just are like, <laughs> huff into the sunset, we'll be great. Right. That's the hard part to swallow of the movie. Is that no but one yeah, learns anything? No, he's, he's a bad dude. Like, even when they're just breaking up the record collection, it's like, could you just be smaller, pettier, and shittier? <laughs> right, yeah. Like, that's just his whole thing. Like, that whole thing about, that ending is so just like, where they're like, yeah, we should all get brunch. I'm like, all right, so you guys have entered your 20s. Congratulations. Like, Yeah, but this is what the movie's saying is like, Shitty people who never have to deal with consequences will just continue to be shitty continue people to be who don't terrible. deal with consequences. They'll never learn, and they'll never be able to impart the wisdom of their shittiness to other people. Like Yes. N- Unlike Weird Science that definitely ends in Apocalypse, yeah. this movie ends with all of these people doing pretty well, I feel yeah. like. No, like. And that's hard to swallow. <laughs> like, the fraternity doesn't go... Like, obviously, Billy dies probably two years after this movie. Like, there's no way that he survives, like, anything. Oh, he's he's an OD a million percent. Yeah. So like Billy's done or gets murdered by some guy's wife that he's having sex. with. Right. Exactly. So or her husband. Yeah. So what it is, though, is like because he's like the legend, the man, the myth, the legend, like when he goes outside the fraternity, he gets idolized when he gets murdered or ODs. And he's like, Billy, man, he was one of the greats. Like, what did he do yeah. so great? Fucking partied like a rock star. Like, I'm here for a good time, not a long Instead time, of the bro. story they should be telling, which is like, uh, he was kind of a piece of shit. Like, he knocked a girl up in college, and they had a kid, and then he never took care of it. And like, He was on a bench, you know, like, when he was leaving, he's like, I thought I would stay here and be a couple weekends dad, but that's not what my daughter needs. It's like, yeah, sure. Way to justify yourself, Billy. Yeah. <laughs> you Get out of here. Fucking soon to be corpse. You fucking scumbag. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah. So like that. You piece of shit with perfect cheekbones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you're dangly. That's all ear- it is. You're dangly earring. Yeah. Cut that off, man. So what a piece of shit. But yeah, him and Judd Nelson both pieces of shit. Yeah. Uh. Uh. Now on to <laughs> our final piece of shit, Jules. But which, by the way, Ali Sheedy and Mar Winningham, a Wendy and Leslie, 
Neither of them are pieces of shit. They almost are inconsequential. inconsequential Ali Sheedy is only there to be abused, it feels yes. like. Right? Because both of the men in her life were treating her very bad. She seems like a really good person. Wendy seems like a really good person whose father just kind of is a little controlling. Yeah. Wendy will be fine. Ultimately not criminal. And she has an affair or she likes Billy who treats her like shit. Those two characters are done. Wendy will that's, be fine. That's pretty much it. You just feel bad for them that they are not in a better scenario. Yeah. But people like them, they'll be fine. Like when they meet other actual adults, people will like them and they'll be all right. To me more. Now, Jules. Jules. Our final piece of shit. <laughs> The final turd we must flush the, down this the, Rat Pack toilet. <laughs> the, final, the final turd in the punch bowl here, Jules. Unbelievable. Wait, what do you think is the worst scene with Jules in this movie? Is it the Arab blow party? Uh, where she's like, I think I, I don't speak a lot of Arabic. Shocker. Yeah. But I think I heard the word gangbang. Hey, best friend's uh, fiance, will you come fuck me? Or when she goes to the homeless shelter and says, let's go get a ritzy lunch. And then they say, no, let's eat here. Right. After the chef has just said they don't have enough food. Right. She takes a plate, mocking the food the whole time. Yeah. Doesn't eat the food and then makes the crack. Uh, if I do that, I'll be a bag lady. But at least I'll have alligator bags. <laughs> right in front right of a next bag to lady. That, right next to that bag lady who's like staring at her the, the whole time. Like, uneaten. fuck you, you stupid bitch. Yeah, she's bad. Jules got problems in this. I would say she obviously has a partying cocaine problem. Huge. Did you know Demi Moore actually had a huge coke problem when she was cast, and Schumacher made her go to rehab so that she. W- I mean, I I think most of the kids that were like, if you were young and famous in the eighties, I think that was just like part of it. Sure. No, I mean she, <laughs> but that this was like this was like a noted thing where she was not allowed to be in the movie until she went to rehab. Apparently. Hey, then maybe this is good, right? She got to portray a terrible version of herself on screen right. and get rehab and go on to be successful. I actually good. think neither of those scenes are the worst. I think the worst scene is by far when she... The homeless shelter scene has to be the worst. I would actually say that opening the windows to let the elements take you might be the most shitty, stupid, selfish thing I've ever seen in my life. That's not. That's a cry for help thing. That's a cry for help thing. That's a cry. That's not as bad as mocking. That's a cry for attention. A homeless woman to her face while you are seriously in debt, weeks behind on your checks, and have been fired. All right. I'll give you that that is like, that is the scene where you realize Jules for sure is an irredeemable piece of shit. But when you're just sitting there in the middle of your apartment and your window, like, first off, you still have your drapes, so I don't know what you're doing. Like, yeah, I'm like, they didn't, they, uh, the repo man didn't take those long ass, uh, you know, silent whisper drapes. Silent whisper silks. What's going on here? Yeah, those drapes are expensive. Trust me, I have curtains. Yeah, the fact that Rob, the fact that Rob Lowe wasn't in there just saxing it up for the whole time is pretty amazing. Um, but (laughs) the fact that he didn't come in and be like, oh, she's about to kill herself. I should make an unwanted sexual advance. (laughs) That's amazing. That's the Billy Bray. That's the Bill, that's the Billy Hicks I know. Yeah. What's that I smell? Weakness? <laughs> I'm so turned on. I think that, yeah. I mean, Jules mo- openly mocking a bag lady next to her by claiming that she was going to be a rich bag lady is pretty terrible. Um, But just her in general throughout this movie, she's so horrible and condescending to everyone she's with. Like, yeah. I can't get over Here's a question. I can't did believe she or did she friends. not have an affair with her boss? Because remember when they said she'd been lying about the affair, she was fired three weeks ago. But she did have someone wave up to the window. 
Now, is this something like darker? Like she's had to maybe sink to taking some escort work or whatever? Or is that actually the boss? Who was that that waved up? Did she have the affair? I think she definitely had the affair. I think she got. It's a weird thing to lie about. If you're just like, yeah, I'm fucking a married guy. No, I think she for <laughs> sure had the affair. I think she just got fired. and uh, It just wasn't like a long affair. Right. I think she had an affair and she tried to claim, like, again, she gives that whole story, like that whole bit, which is, by the way, fucked up, where she like says like, oh, yeah, I'll have, like, what, hang on, I'm going to pull up the quote. Because also the word they use to describe sex is pretty funny. Like, I really enjoyed that. Uh, bop. I'll bop him for a couple of years. Um, yeah. She's like. She describes this whole thing, which is terrible. She's like, I don't know why you're both so worried. So I'll bop him for a couple of years, get his job when he gets his hands caught in the vault, do a black mink ad, retire in utter disgrace, then write a bestseller and be a fabulous host on my own talk show. Like, those are the kinds of things that yeah. people say when they're saying, <laughs> help me, help me, help me. So clearly what happened was, is she had sex with this guy, then tried to get him caught and nobody believed her. Or something like that. Like she basically got. Yeah. She basically I think got. If you help Jules. You become an accomplice. I think is the word for that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like she tried to do this simply to fuck with like, or she maybe straight up lied, and claimed she was having sex with this guy, and then the guy was like, uh, no. Like there very could have been maybe there could have been something like that. She seems like a psychopath. So. That yeah. Would make sense uh, too. The whole trying to fuck your friend's fiance and then all the, I mean, it's just, she is essentially the same as Billy, but they try to make us feel more sorry for her. Like they never make you feel sorry for Billy. He's such a piece of shit. Right. This one, I think because we see her hit rock bottom, she's actually the only person that seemingly has to deal with it. Right. Cause Andrew McCarthy will just go on, keep being that weird writer. Right. He already didn't have the girl. That was like a one night fling. Right. Emilio's just going to stalk someone else. Right. Judd Nelson lost some of his record collection seems to be the most annoying thing for him, but he'll be all right. Right. She's the one who actually got all her shit taken. It is like just sitting in an empty apartment full of teddy bears, which is just insane. Like that. Yeah. whole ending and then, is so ridiculous. Well, they also did the weird where she's like, well, my dad. And I was like, there you go. That's a uh, girl with problems. Bingo. Daddy issues. <laughs> And she's constantly talking about how she's going to bury her stepmom that yeah, she's having that is some emotional talks with, but she can't talk back. She's in a coma. And you're like, <laughs> uh, I think, but this is the thing to wrap it up, right? It's, is there a version of St. Elmo's fire that could have been more beloved? Like, what does that look like? Do you have to make these people nicer no. or just see them all come to fiery? Well, ends? No, they've done this already. They did it. It's called the big chill. Like, that's the version of Same Almost Fire that actually works. Because yeah, you don't address all of these white people issues for rich people there. You put them all in a room together and make them hash out their personal issues. So then the palpability of, like, emotional weight is more important than just, like, these people dealing with, oh, being out of college is hard. That's it. Yeah. Let's all get together and send Billy off as he runs away from his responsibilities and daughter. Right. Have good luck, Billy. Good luck, Billy. <laughs> and then they all walk around where it's like, let's just be friends. I know it got weird. <laughs> all right. Let's go stare longingly into St. Elmo's. But I'm like, what if at the end of that, uh, someone they had scorned, like who was scorned? Like what if the the uh, boyfriend of the doctor came back and yeah. was like, fuck all you. <laughs> I mean, that's a very. But we got like a Sonny from the Godfather ending. <laughs> you're like, yeah, fuck these people. It's fine. I want to. It's funny because this is what I'm trying to get at, right? 
People did not like this movie. No. I find it endlessly fascinating. So while this is such an unlikable cast of shitty, shitty people that do not have to pay the consequences of their behavior, why do we still like this movie, me and you? I think I like it because I view it as a great window into how I would have never reacted graduating from college. Like, what I like about it is that it's so fanciful in that I don't know anyone who exists in this realm of re- in this part of reality. Like I know people like, for instance, I know people who came out to like, we went both, both went to film school. I know people who came to Los Angeles to make the great, the next great, you know, the, be the next Tarantino. They came sure. to LA and they found the first shitty job they could find, which is usually for most of us PAing. They found the first job they could find. And they assumed that doing one thing, that means paying your dues. And the next thing you get is what you want. So, when that didn't happen, these people went home and decided they were going to just, they're like, well, didn't make it. Oh, well, and left. I feel like every single one of these people is pretty much doing that in this movie. But <laughs> instead of like, basically they get out of college, like, you know, I don't really feel like changing a single thing about my personality. I'm going to live a good life. And that's it. Like, that's really kind of like, like, but now I have to do it in the real world. So I got to be a little more on the DL about it. Like, Billy obviously is going to be in New York and then die of an OD, but he'll, in the meantime, he'll like rack up a huge bill of like sexual assault charges and then eventually get AIDS and die. Like those are the things that are definitely. Jesus. <laughs> wow. You went hard in dealing out the consequences for poor old Bill. I mean, That's <laughs> what they'll call him in bill new bill. No, uh, it's weird. Cause I can forgive the shittiness if I'm being honest. Cause I think most people this age are kind of shitty. Sure. Right. I mean, Emilio's a serial killer. That's harder to forget. Right. <laughs> Emilio's yeah, the one like, truly unforgettable I, I, character. I think I just like melodrama. I think there's something about seeing bad narcissistic people make these like big ordeals and they can really get emotional about and expose their inner character yeah. without really having to deal with like anything of ethical or philosophical import, right? Yeah. Like you don't have to ponder the like um, is it wrong of me to hope that, you know, someone does bad, you know, in life and that their family suffers because they're a bad guy, right. but their kids didn't do it. Like, I don't have to ponder anything in this movie. It's just look at these fucking assholes being assholes, but like, it's kind of fun to watch them be ass. It's like watching Jersey shore yeah, in a way, right? Yeah. You're just like, it's like waspy Jersey shore where you're just like, look, it's just all these people in a situation that is not real does not matter and they're just garbage yeah <laughs> and sometimes i think it's fun to be like what if i just made all the garbage decisions right. it's it's a movie it's just a it, yeah i don't know i just i like this kind of it's thing a movie I, I about like bad decisions that equal no consequences because yeah in our lives when we make bad decisions there are consequences it's nice to live in this fantasy world where sometimes when you fuck up there is no consequence yeah, it's entertaining. I mean, I, I guess that's the nice thing about being that age is that there really isn't for the most part. I mean, like everyone in this movie is going to be fine. Yeah, they'll be fine. Like they'll live their best life. Like <laughs> none of these people pass. None of these people passed like Rob Lowe, obviously. I mean, like Billy dies for sure. Um, Kirby winds up probably being the most popular guy on the cell block once he's caught for stalking. Um, and then just in general, like, you know. Kevin ends up being a reporter for the rest of his life. Yeah, they're uh, all going to be fine. Yeah, they're going to live their best lives. Like, there's nothing, there's nothing about this movie that makes me think, oh, they've all, they've all learned a lesson here. What makes yeah. me think is like, I don't know. I, I would be interested to see like an alternate ending where it is like the wrath of God hits these four <laughs> terrible people. 
Like, I would like to see a little, like, you know, maybe, like, uh, Ali Sheedy and Wendy just, like, standing at, like, the four tombstones side by side imagining what happened. <laughs> like, well, we should have seen that coming. Like, like, maybe there's a version. I honestly, my mine is the catharsis. I think the characters suffer a lot. And just seeing them be bad people, like, sometimes it's just fun to be a voyeur. Yeah. And watch people be bad. I like the idea that maybe, like, this movie's alternate ending should have been, like, them all in the hospital, like, where they started. But it's Jules, who's dying of pneumonia. Because she, like, <laughs> and they're, like, she's, like, I don't want to go. And you're, like, well, then, you know, you shouldn't have fucking lost all your money. And, like, you know, like, this whole thing. Like, Jesus Christ. You are, like, very Judge Dread right now. <laughs> they're both, they're all fucking idiots. Like, I, I have no. I agree. I agree. I have no remorse. None. No. All right, guys, that's it uh, for St. Almost Fire. That's it for the Brat Pack. That's it for white people problems for the month. Uh, guys, I hope you enjoyed our dive into the Brat Pack. It was really, really fun. Um, I have at least one month theme planned out ahead, but we haven't settled on, so I'm not going to lie to you and tell you exactly what's coming next week. But trust me, they're all awesome. October is going to be super exciting. I've laid out quite a smorgasbord for us. Gulp. So, uh, as always, share it with your friends, guys. Share the pod with them. Let them join the conversation. Leave us a rating and review wherever you find the show. Follow us on YouTube, uh, the Chubby Mansion, home of the Longbox Sessions and Film Alchemist podcast. Also... That's it. That's all I got. You can follow us on Letterboxd. Yeah. I thought I had like a really important thing to say, and then I guess I don't. Hopefully, uh, hopefully movies, we'll see guys. It. Hopefully movies. we'll see it at Longbox Comic uh, Con this weekend. Long Beach Comic Long Con. Beach, they sorry. haven't officially named it Longbox Comic Con, but you know. That's it. Matter of time. <laughs> Long Beach Comic Con. That's this it, weekend. guys. I hope you had fun for the film Alchemist. I'm Josh Green. I'm Alex Dandino.